1110 wbt Joining me in studio now is Michael Anderson. He is uh, running for North Carolina State House District 99. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a lawyer, as I said earlier. We won't hold it against you, but you're uh, an attorney and you are... uh, uh, you got, what, five kids, I think, and this is your first run for any elected office. That's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm an attorney, um, and I do have five kids, but I have another one on the way. So oh, congratulations. Yeah, we're going to be up to number six uh, here pretty soon in March. And, yeah, this is my first run, but, you know, it was it was time to get off the sideline and, and time to stand up for the people. So what prompted you to run for office in general and this specific office? Right. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I was apolitical, but I was, I was not focused on politics. Um, I was unaffiliated. And then President Biden came out with his vaccine mandates last year. And that, although that hit a lot of legal uh, uh, problems in the court system, it precipitated all these corporations to have their own vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. And, and my company was one of them. And so I spent six months fighting for my coworkers not to get fired. I mean, everybody had been remote for two years. Uh, we had pregnant women who were on the verge of getting fired. We had, we had people with autoimmune deficiencies who were on the, on the verge of getting fired, but they couldn't get a, a medical exemption letter from Novant and Atrium because those institutions had warned their doctors away from it. We had single mothers. I grew up in a single mother family, going to lose their jobs over this. And I found this to be entirely unacceptable. And so that's really what, what precipitated a, a lot of events happened after that. And that precipitated ultimately a run for, for office because, you know, I wanted to change things from the inside as opposed to the outside. Mm-hmm. So um, North Carolina House District 99, this is North Charlotte, North Mech? Yeah, so this is uh, Northeast Charlotte, so it's, it's as far down as University City, um, the University uh, Hidden Valley, all the way up to Harrisburg, the, the border. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, I love this district. It's, uh, I've lived here for five years. Um, it's the, the third most liberal district in the state of North Carolina. Oh, wow. But I like to tell people there's nowhere that I would rather be because, you know, we don't want to preach to the choir, we want to talk to people who may not have the full information or may not, may, may not agree with me. That's what, I want to, that's what I want to talk to. And the reception has been unbelievably good. And I've hit over 11,000 doors so far. Okay. So I've been hustling. So you're out there, you're knocking on doors, and you're talking about if this is, the, if this is your origin story, so to speak, um, right. about the vaccine mandates. Uh, you're finding people to be receptive? Well, you know, District 99, 60 plus percent of everybody who lives there is African-American. And, you know, me being African-American as well, um, that's, I know our community. And, you know, different people have different viewpoints on the vaccine, and that's fine. I, I don't care what you do with that. I mean, we hadn't gone this, we hadn't been here before. But to fire people over it, and if you look at the statistics, no demographic had taken the vaccine less as a percentage than African-Americans. And so for me, it was standing up for my people group when, you know, everybody wants to talk about diversity and put our smiling faces on on our websites, right? But at the end of the day, if you're going to fire most of us over mandates, 
You know, there's, there's, there's a disconnect there. There was an argument I remember at the time when the data started coming in, when the vaccines rolled out, they started collecting data and they started seeing this disparity in who was getting the shots. And I remember there being this explanation offered by Mandy Cohen, uh, the former Health and Human Services Director, that this is because of the historical abuses by government of African-Americans, so they have a wariness of the government telling them to take shots. And I said, that's completely believable. I, tot- I, I accept this as an explanation. Why does that only apply to African-Americans, though? Why doesn't anybody of any skin color see the example from history and say, wait a minute, if they did that to these people, why won't they do it to us? Doesn't the argument apply no matter the skin color? So, you know, the thing that, that I think it's, it's important to know is that, you know, pe- people talk about people groups as, you know, as one people group. Right. People come from all sorts of different backgrounds. You know, some people are thinking about, remember the Tuskegee experiments, okay? But other people, like myself, you know, growing up in a single-parent family, we, we didn't have health insurance, right? And so, so or when you come to me and you're telling me the doctor says such and such, and, like, the evidence that I'm looking at says, well, that doesn't really add up. Like, they're not my moral authority. They're not, you know, I, I didn't grow up like that. And so I'm looking at the evidence and I'm saying, okay, well, all these people are getting the vaccine, and they're still getting sick. The CDC keeps on moving the marker, keeps on changing its story. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not sort of tied down by the expert opinion. I, I, can, I can make up my own mind. So there's, and of course, the history is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I can't speak to other people groups, but I know that uh, there's a lot of factors going in uh, to, to the African-American community. And I think that, um, you know, that they should have been validated i mean Mm -hmm. they should have been uh, respected those viewpoints yeah so um and i've said this before yeah uh, that uh, if african-americans vote in a uh in a manner that is uh sort of comparable to every other racial demographic i don't think democrats win anymore especially at a national level and it's not even like because you have such an overwhelming preference in that demographic for democrat candidates at a national level particularly um even if you went 80-20. 80-20. At that point, you see an erosion of support like that. I think that's enough to move entire races and states in, in towards the Republican side. Do you think you are able to move that, that big of a percent in what you described as one of the most liberal districts in the state? So, you know, that, that remains to be seen. Um, the odds are very much stacked against me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my goal is to give it my best shot and to see and to see how far we can take this. Now, going door to door, I've had on one Friday afternoon, I went knocking for tw- for five hours, and I had twenty three separate registered Democrats say they were going to vote for me. Now, on election day, you know, how many actually vote for you? I don't know. Right. But the point is, the the conversations are so positive, and you know, part of this is is because. The Democrat Party that so many people grew up with is not the Democrat Party that we're looking at now. Like, this is the party that was talking about defund police. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, our community doesn't want to defund the police. Now, maybe there is some skepticism and maybe we want better training. Okay, fair enough. Right. But you don't do away with the police. Like, who are you going to call when uh, when you need trouble or when you need help? 
um, our community very much wants school choice, right? I mean, the CMS is not is not doing well for our our kids. Sixty percent of our students aren't at grade level, and grade level is too low to begin with. So, so, so obviously, we we want to send our kids to schools that actually do the job for us. Now, I'm not I'm not speaking poorly of the teachers. I'm talking about the institution. The pe- the teachers are underpaid. Now, how do we underpay our teachers with a 1.7 billion dollar budget? So someone's got their hand in that cookie jar, right? And so we need to audit CMS. Um, you know, some of the things that are being taught to children, right? Our community doesn't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Some of this this sex, this gender change, you know, uh, surgeries for young children, puberty blockers, that's extreme. Mm-hmm. And so when I go door to door, and if I get challenged on, oh, you know, the Republican Democrat thing, well, I mean, is that what you stand for? Because I don't. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that party has long left us. Well, yeah. And so, if you, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention your website, which is Anderson4NC.com. Goes over some of these, uh, some of these uh, issues that you mentioned. No indoctrination. You say we live in a diverse society. Um, parents uh, send their kids to school with the mandate to teach the children reading, writing, math, economics, not controversial beliefs, worldviews, or theories that are at odds with what parents are teaching at home. I think this is one of the big realizations over the last, I guess, since COVID, and to this degree, I guess COVID was beneficial in that it exposed a lot of parents to what was being transmitted to their kids through the institutions. And this has always been where we pass down to the next generation what we as a society believe in. And all of a sudden, parents got a got a glimpse and thought, wow, this is not what I wanted to be handing down. And now there's a fight about what we're going to hand down. What should that message be? Well, hey, listen, um, you know, at, at, like we talked about, I'm a father of now six children. And my job is to raise them up in the way that they're they're to go. You know that that's my job is to teach them their moral beliefs, is to make them good community citizens. Um, and you know, as, as a born again Christian, I don't agree with some of these ideologies. I think that they're detrimental to society, not neutral, detrimental. And so, I cannot allow some other person to teach my kids detrimental messages. And so, no, I, I wouldn't put my kids in some of these schools. Um, you know, we, we homeschool our kids. I was homeschooled, and, you know, that's part of why I'm, uh, I'm a free thinker. Um, you know, it just taught, I was taught to think differently and to, to look at the facts and to make my own judgments. And I think that parents cannot abdicate that role with their kids. And, you know, people all over the, all over the country are waking up to that fact. Michael Anderson is my guest. He's running for North Carolina House District 99. Uh, do you want to stick around for another segment if you want? If you've got time, I don't want to put pressure on you. Yeah, let's do All it. All right. Michael Anderson, more with Mike in a moment. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A reminder, every Thursday throughout the month of October is Talktoberfest 2022. Presented by Kristen Bernard, Empower Home Team, Keller Williams South Park. Join us on the Facebook Live feed, WBT's page. This Thursday at 8 o'clock, it's going to be Brett Winterbull, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, and you and me. I'll hang out in the chat box as well. Come and join us. Talktoberfest 2022. 
Joining me now in studio is Michael Anderson. He's running for North Carolina House District 99. Uh, we've been talking about a number of is- uh, issues, and I think you mentioned during the break, I think you said this during the break, so I'll ask you, um, you are from Seattle, and you just recently, not recently, five years ago, right, moved to Charlotte? Why Charlotte and why Seattle? Yeah, What's and, the story there? Well, born and raised in Seattle, um, great place to grow up, but I'll tell you, uh, you see the effect of policy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is clear. I mean, it, it's uh, you go to Seattle, and what used to be just the most beautiful, safe city, big city that you could have ever found. And I took my family out there not too long ago to the, the lake that I used to hang out at when I was a kid. I'd go down there by myself, and it's, uh, it's homeless encampments around the lake. Like, it's lakeside property for the homeless encampments. Mm-hmm. You see people stumbling out of huge RVs past piles of garbage everywhere. Um, and I couldn't let my kids go down there. And that is directly the result of liberal policies, particularly liberal um, drug policy, yeah. um, liberal policy towards uh, the homeless population. And, you know, th- there's a place for empathy, but but when you when you enable certain behaviors that's not loving your neighbor it's uh it's perpetuating harmful behaviors to people and so you definitely see that in seattle you see it in portland uh and you know um even amazon moved one moved uh some of their corporate headquarters out out of uh out of seattle um i mean for one of the one of the buildings that the the employees wanted to or were working at because it was too dangerous yeah too many employees were getting assaulted and so policy matters and so uh you know after after i graduated from undergrad and graduate school at the university of washington i moved to new york city i wanted to hit it big uh worked there for a couple years went down to law school at the university of pennsylvania in philadelphia and then started my career in washington dc for about seven years and now, and why Charlotte? Well, you know, it, it's I. You know, I'm a very religious person. Um, like I said, I'm a born again Christian, and God was moving me. Uh, things were breaking in my life. Um, you know, I was I had been suffering from a 30 year addiction that uh, was sort of breaking my family. Um, you know, my my marriage was really fracturing. My kids were not comfortable around me because I was so intense and uh, God wasn't going to leave me there. And, you know, for reasons that were sort of really not, not expected for me because I had not wanted to move to North Carolina of all places. Uh, but we moved down here and this is where I found God. Hmm. This is where I got born again. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for my time here. So you were too intense with like working and stuff? Oh, there was all sorts of things going on. Yeah. You know, my, my God, everybody has some God. Yeah. Uh, and my God was success. Mm-hmm. And success lures you in, but it's a cruel taskmaster. And there was all sorts of things I was doing. You know, I was, yes, I was a big firm attorney and that was, you know, 12, 13 hours a day. But on the side, I'm a creative and I love writing. And I was writing novels and screenplays and I was actually quite good. I was flying back to Hollywood and working with some of the, the most uh, famous Christian screenwriters in the mm. industry as a script doctor. And so I would get up every morning at about 4 a.m. and I'd just work my tail off till 7. Then I'd go to work from 7 until you know 10. And then I'd come back and I'd try to keep pushing. Uh, and when you're a workaholic and when your God is success, well, 
there's not a lot of room for family and for God and for all these other things that are so necessary. And it was, uh, it was poisonous for my family. Let me ask you a couple other uh, items because you are running for uh, North Carolina House District 99. Uh, you say in your website you want to invest in trade schools and boot camps. What do you mean by that? The education system has left so many people behind. Uh, you know, we have, we have young people who are going into colleges and they're coming out with $120,000, $130,000 of debt and no skill. We have people who were failed by our public education system who don't have, you know, who, who college isn't the right next step for them as well. And so the question is, how do you, how do you give every person opportunity to have, to have a career that they can be proud of? to have a job that they can provide for their family with, especially now that bad policy once again has caused inf- record inflation, record gas prices, and so many people in my district are being hurt. Mm-hmm. And so the, the natural thing to do is to invest in trade schools, right? We, we, there are so many trades that, that the United States, we don't have enough skilled workers, whether it's welders, whether it's, uh, you know, all sorts of different job opportunities. And so here we have the University of North Carolina right here in, in our district. It, maybe there's a collaboration that we could do where we can have some space or we can work with other groups and really get the funds invested so that we can train people. Uh, you know, boot camps are another one. We can train you from having no experience in programming to being a full-fledged hireable programmer within six to 12 months. Don't say learn to code. Don't say that because if you say that, you get censored, I hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get shut down on Twitter if you say learn to code. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why? That, well, because um, it's what journalists used to tell people that were getting fired from the mills and, and manufacturing jobs. Journalists would say, well, you should learn to code. And then when the journalists started getting fired, those people started saying learn to code back to the journalists. And then Twitter started banning <laughs> accounts that were saying learn to code. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, okay. No, no joke. It's oh, ridiculous. Wow. No, nah, I had no idea. Yeah, sorry to take you down that rabbit hole. But uh, <laughs> Michael Anderson, he is a candidate for North Carolina House District 99. His website is Anderson4, that's the number four, Anderson4NC.com. You may, uh, if you live in his district, you may see him at your door one day with all the door knocking. I appreciate your time. Thanks uh, for coming in. Good luck on the campaign trail. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to Michael Anderson for dropping on by North Carolina House District 99. Um, yeah, I mean, he acknowledges it's an uphill fight, but uh, but he's running a good campaign. He's having fun doing it, and really, that's you get good experience doing that, and uh, we wish him the best of luck. There is also, by the way, a uh, the North Carolina uh, Values Coalition puts out a um, a voter guide, it's ivoterguide.com, and they do ratings uh, and analysis of all of the candidates for the state races and stuff. So if you are interested, head on over to ivoterguide.com. They also have the uh, uh, breakdown for judicial races as well, which is pretty helpful, I have found. Um, even if, look, I'm not telling you to vote for everybody they endorse or whatever. I'm saying they provide you information and like sometimes like I've taken, 
I've gone up to election polling places to go vote, and uh, you know, one group will give me uh, the palm cards, what they call them, right, where, where they have all their endorsements. You know, make sure you vote for all these people, and they give you the the card. And sometimes I'll take the card and say thank you, and I vote for everybody that's opposite of the people on the card. Right? It's just you know, whatever, depending on how I feel. Uh, and so you could do your own research. By the way, tomorrow we'll have uh, Judge Michael Stating. Stating. See, I always pronounce it wrong. Whichever way I think is the right way, and then I doubt myself, so I say it the other way. And then it turns out, no, I should have said it the way I thought it was. Anyway, he'll be. I'll ask him tomorrow. He'll be in uh, with me tomorrow. We'll chat with him. He's running for North Carolina Court of Appeals. Um. This is from there a couple. There's two stories actually. One with a North Carolina connection, and one that's a national story. But uh, so let me start at the national one. Democrats are reportedly running dozens of quasi-local news sites across multiple swing states, producing pro-Democrat, anti-Republican com, uh, content under a veneer of nonpartisanship. There are 51, at least 51, of these quote-unquote local news sites across 10 swing states. The uh, entity that has set these up is called Local Report, Inc. Local Report, Incorporated. It was founded last year in Florida. According to Axios, six writers from progressive Washington-based The American Independent have also contributed to most or even all of the websites. Many of their articles appear exclusively on the news sites, although the sites aggregate content from other sources as well. In North Carolina, we have a couple. In Mecklenburg, we've got one. It's called the Mecklenburg Herald. So if you start seeing posts from the Mecklenburg Herald, just know that this is is actually not a news site. They're in Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, Michigan, New Hampshire, Georgia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. The site's local news and non-political content is mixed with heavily slanted political news aimed at boosting Democratic midterm candidates and attacking Republican opponents. Here's how it's useful. You take the, the quote, story, and it's, oh, it's in the Mecklenburg Herald. You get the blaring headline, Republican is evil, whatever it says. Whatever the, the you know whatever you needed to say about whatever candidate and whatever race, you put that out there as a headline, and then the campaigns come along or the super PACs come along. They lift that headline and they plaster it into their spot, and then they get to say Republican candidate is evil, and then they get to quote Mecklenburg Herald. And for people who are not in Mecklenburg, who may be seeing this from another part of the state or even people who are in Mecklenburg but have never heard of the Mecklenburg Herald, they think, oh, that's a news organization. Oh, my gosh. That's a legitimate news organization that has run some sort of a story with a headline that that person is evil. I'm not voting for the evil person, right? This is the way media is used and allows itself to be. I mean, they recognize this. That reporters know this. Editors know this. When they write their stories, when they do their stories, when they sit in the newsroom and they pitch their stories to their editors – saying, I think this is a newsworthy story. I want to chase this down. I want to find out if this is true. Right? They understand that these stories have impacts beyond just you know appearing on a website or being printed in the paper or run on television. Democratic campaigns have cited stories from local report news sites. 
Local report told Axios, quote, we are proud to collaborate with partners like the American Independent and are also committed to bringing the public reliable information that they can trust. The American Independent was launched by David Brock. David Brock is the founder of Media Matters. He is a Democrat operative. The American Independent president is a fellow by the name of Matt Fuhrmeier. Which kind of sounds Nazi. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Fuhrmeier, he's a former Democrat aide. And the American Independent is funded by Democrat Super PAC, American Bridge. Who I have battled with for years on Twitter. I actually have a whole list called American Bridge Spammers. And they think it's, they, they wear it, it's like a badge of honor when I finally add them to one of the lists because they see their name pop up in the American Bridge spammers. So that's who they are. So then uh, our friend A.P. Dillon over at North State Journal, she takes a look at three of the 51 operations because they're in North Carolina. Uh, You've got uh, the Mecklenburg Herald, as I mentioned. There are two others. I'm looking for their names here. I'll just read the the piece. These, uh, These types of outlets are similar uh, to the hyperpartisan sites masquerading as journalism housed under Courier Newsroom. That's a different one. Courier Newsroom is set up in 14 states. They set up in 2020. And they're funded by a dark money political action committee. And their site in North Carolina is called Cardinal and Pine. And that Cardinal and Pine is run by a guy named Billy Ball, leftist, former. Uh, employee of the North Carolina Justice Center, NC Policy Watch. That's where he comes out of, okay? And uh, all of these sites track back to uh, the American Independent, which was started by David Brock, uh, Bill and Hillary uh, uh, ally, founder of Media Matters, right? Um, Fuhrmeier, as I mentioned, senior aide. Oh, Fuhrmeier, right. Former senior aide to Harry Reid. He was also a researcher for Al Franken. And he was a top aide with the DCCC. Um, TI, or TAI, rather, the American Independent, they've gone through a couple different name changes over the years. They were known as American Independent Foundation, Blue Nation Review, and Share Blue. Remember that one? They've received large donations from Media Matters. They've also received money from Fidelity Investments. You got money with Fidelity? This is who they're funding. And uh, I believe, wait for it, I believe there is Soros money at play as well. Local report has also been accused of lifting and misrepresenting content from real news outlets in order to put Democrats in a positive light. Here they are. Mecklenburg Herald, the Piedmont Tribune. I've never even seen these. And... Triangle News, while they are separate websites, they appear to run identical content. In a related story, Americans' trust in media remains near record lows. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You've probably heard about this already because this, too, came down while I was sick. I tell people don't break things while I'm gone. All of these things break while I'm gone. I'm not bitter. 34% of people polled by Gallup have a, quote, great deal or fair amount 
Excuse me. Yeah, it's still still battling the the re, the, the remnants of the cold. So I apologize. Thirty four percent have a great deal or fair amount of confidence in media. That's it. Great deal or fair amount. About a third. Thirty eight percent no trust at all. That that's the number one response. Seventy percent of Democrats trust the media. Only 14% of Republicans do. And only 27% of independents do. This is the first time that the percentage of Americans with no trust at all in media is higher than the percentage that has a great deal or a fair amount of trust combined. Right? Because you think about, they ask, you know, the, there's like four breakdowns, no trust, great deal, fair amount, and somewhat or something like that. Anyway, and they... And so you just lump them together with essentially, you know, the people who say they have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence that tells you that they're more positive towards media, right? They, they're confident, generally more so than not. And that number is now lower than the people who have no confidence at all. There is a clear pattern by age, older Democrats and independents are more trusting of the media than their younger counterparts. That's just among Democrats. The current level of public trust in the media's full, fair, and accurate reporting of the news is the second lowest on record. This new confidence reading follows Gallup's historically low confidence in both TV news and newspapers and a new low in December's annual rating of the honesty and ethics of TV reporters. Newspaper reporters received similarly low ratings in the same poll. You'll notice I did not say anything about radio. I think because they just don't ask anymore. There are no radio reporters left, I guess. Is that why they don't ask about them? <clears throat> anyway. Um, this then from Carolina Journal, Josh Peters. The debate should be about the underlying disease that has infected our body politic. Okay. And this refers to the big lie, which, by the way, did you hear like Hillary Clinton now is uh, out there. She gave some recorded message talking about how Trump and his allies are going to try to uh, uh, undo the election or, or, or suppress votes or whatever. So they're already laying the groundwork for the big lie. I guess they we're going to give the big lie back to the Democrats. Is that how this works? Everybody just passes it back and forth over, <laughs> over the course of different election cycles. Two parties have been engaged, the both of the parties have been engaging in a battle of escalation for some time now, he says. The Democrats amped up their election undermining efforts by suggesting that the 2016 election was illegitimate. Yeah, do you know, I went over this the other day, like two thirds of Democrats believe that Russia hacked the election and literally changed the election results to make Trump the winner in 2016. And they don't get called election deniers. They say Trump was illegitimate. And the GOP takes revenge by leading a campaign to undermine the legitimacy of the 2020 election, while Trump incites an insurrection, says Joshua Peters. We see misleading narratives concerning the so-called threat to democracy and false narratives about the pervasiveness of fraudulent activity at the ballot box. Because politicians and activists have eroded trust in our institutions, there's no way to pivot on an agreeable foundation that can be trusted by all to distinguish fact from fiction. Political philosopher Hannah Arendt reminds us 
that when a society struggles to distinguish fact from fiction, that society is primed for a totalitarian takeover. I would agree with that. We can't even tell what's true, right? People don't even have an agreed upon idea of reality, which, thank you, postmodernism. Once a significant amount of the politically active population has committed themselves to pettiness and grievance and indignation, victimhood, and distrust of narratives not derived from their interiority, our democratic institutions are under siege and we are past the point of threats. He says, I agree with the Democrats that our democratic institutions are under siege, but it's difficult to believe that they're the saviors of democracy when they are scaling the walls to burn the city. Democrats are also part of the problem here, right? This is why election integrity, I keep coming back to this, election integrity, setting up a system that removes the doubt for the most part. You're never going to, you're never going to convince every single person in America that the election is completely above board. I understand that, or any election. I understand that. You're always going to be battling against fraud uh, and cheating because people are people, and when you... When you dangle power out in front of people, they will do things to get that power. They will break rules to get that power. But that's why you need to have the systems that uh, inspire the confidence among the vast majority of the voters. And then more people participate, by the way. More people participate when they believe that the system is not rigged, when they believe their vote counts. This is why, to me, like, if, if we get at this issue, election integrity, and there are better ways to conduct elections than the way we do it. There are. There are systems that, that are designed, that can work, that are superior, that can give you a record, that can be virtually immune from fraud, that can make people believe that their vote matters and it was counted correctly. And that goes a long way. I think that would go a long way. Also asking people in journalism to be better, or as Melania would say, be best, right? To be best, to give people benefit of the doubt, to not ascribe motive, right? To try to understand why people, there's a clip going around right now of some focus group that was chatting with MSNBC the other day. And she asks them about the, all the cops that were killed at the January 6th riot. And these voters have to correct the reporter because she's ignorant about the very topic she's asking them about. The voters knew about the story. The voters knew that no cop was actually killed. The only person that died was Ashley Babbitt, a protester. Uh, Josh Peters goes on to say the political right has its own share of problems, but the political left has the unique tendency to undermine the rule of law and bring about social chaos. And New York uh, City, San Francisco, Chicago, these are exemplars of what happens when a culture of indifference to law and order takes over a city. Couple that with their own unique set of qualities, for example, self-entitled, narcissistic, self-imposed victimhood indignancy, extreme pettiness, and we have an extremely problematic situation when it comes to left-wing politics today. See, part of the problem here is that the Republicans don't really control the institutions. Right, so they can exhibit these sorts of behaviors, but they don't have the power to really muck up the city, you know? 
like Democrats do, because they control the cities. So be best. I implore thee. All right, Brett Winnable's coming up next. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.